have something to talk about heading into this episode. We're not just rambling. For once. We'll ramble later. Yeah. There will be plenty of (laughs) rambling. Don't worry. We're not going to completely change our brand here. But guys, 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 guys. We actually both have gotten body mods. Yay! Yeah! And I completely forgot to talk about mine because I got mine almost three weeks ago. And we've definitely (laughs) recorded an episode since then. And you got yours... On that week, we took a break. I got mine. Yes. So, do you want to go first since yours was more recent? Yeah. Um, I got a Mothman tattoo on my ankle. It is so cute. I have not seen it in person, but I have seen... Oh, I have seen... <laughs> I'm sorry. There was a bat on TV. There's a bat on TV. Oh, so little. He's so tiny. It is bat. <laughs> it is bat. Oh, I'm no. sorry. Anyway, <laughs> bats aside... So, um, I haven't seen it in person, but you did send me pictures, and the artist did an amazing job. I love it. Yeah. You can't see it, guys, but she just showed me her ankle. How it's, scandalous. It's on my social media, so... Yeah, go follow Sylvia. No. Go follow Sylvia. <laughs> but it's just a little, little cute moth man. He's in the scabbing up stage now. Mm-hmm. Which, actually, no, I'm still pretty moist. Did you want to talk about your experience getting a tattoo in quarantine? It wasn't bad. I I don't know. I normally look down, kind of, mm-hmm. on people who were getting tattoos during quarantine, but I just really wanted to done before we closed down completely again. Yes. I mean, everything was super clean. It took the guy, like, 30 minutes in between, like, the person in front of me and me to make sure everything was clean and sanitized. That's really good, though. Mm-hmm. So, I'm glad. Hey, guys, if you're thinking about getting a tattoo, check it out. I'm telling you. There's still places that do them. Because, you know, they, they know that the goths are out there. And, you know, our equivalent of getting our hair cut or dyed. <laughs> it's just like, hey, I wanted to I wanted to change my body completely forever. I asked my artist when I was getting it done. I was like, so, was it busy at all? And he was like, when we opened up, you would have thought I was giving out free tattoos. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure everyone's just like, I need to change my entire face. Please tattoo it. Yeah. <laughs> tattoo it a, a different face onto my face, please. All right, Allison, how did you change your body? So I got an industrial piercing on my left ear. It is the first piercing I've got since I was four months old <laughs> when I got my initial lobe t- um, tattoos. Yeah, my lobe piercings. Uh, it hurt. It was not a pleasant feeling. But it wasn't as bad as everyone made it out to be. I heard a lot of people say, like, this is one of the most awful piercings you can get. It's like, it's going to hurt. It's going to be awful to take care of. And I actually really like it. And it wasn't that bad. And, um, yeah, I went locally, too. And it the whole place was very professional with regards to, you know, keeping things clean and social distancing. Didn't you go to the same place I went to? No. We, oh. we went to different places. Oh, okay. <laughs> So, yeah, um, and the, uh, the piercer told me that I have very nice ears. That's sweet. I know. And she's like, you have good ears for it, and you did good. And I'm just like, thank you. That's so nice. And now I can't wait to get my next ones. (laughs) Me too. What's your next tattoo idea? I'm really hoping that I could get my next foot tattoo. 
Oh, I want my foot done so badly. I keep putting off my other foot tattoo, and not because, like, I'm scared, but because things just keep happening. Yeah. What do you have planned for your foot? I'm not going to say it on pod, because then my, my golf cart is going to be thrown into the fire pit again. And I Fine. I can't... I, I'm tired of gr- grabbing it. <laughs> you have to save it from the garbage. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of, like, piecing it back together. Yeah, so. after it gets ripped up. But, okay, keep your secrets. Um... Do tattoos on your feet hurt as much as people say they do? So here's the thing. Everybody says that. And even when I went to this artist who was a different one for me, he was even surprised when I was like, yeah, it didn't hurt. Mm -hmm. I barely felt it. Everybody tolerates pain differently. Yep. You know, so my first foot tattoo, barely felt it, didn't feel a thing. My most painful tattoo was the one on my back of my shoulder. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting, because I feel like it would be the other way around. <laughs> my foot tattoo should have been my most painful one. Yeah, because... But, oh, sorry. I was also going to say, it was my very first tattoo, too. Uh, so maybe I had that just, like, adrenaline maybe. of, like, getting a tattoo! Yeah. Finally! It's, yeah. like, your adrenaline and your, like, that combined with shock just kind yeah. of completely get rid of the pain. So who knows? Maybe my next foot tattoo will completely debilitate me (laughs) (laughs) hopefully not especially this one's also going to be a little bigger and more detailed oh boy i can't wait to see (laughs) great yeah um i i've been staring at piercing charts being like i want this 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 but whatever i get the go ahead to actually do more piercings i think i'm gonna do two inner lobes Mm -hmm. like on both ears and i really want like stuff on the out like outer rim too and guys, I'm going to cut my hair to act- so you can actually see this stuff. I'm excited for that. That's going to be cool. Yeah. I'm going to, like, shave half my head off. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. You. I'm doing it. I really want to get my ears pierced again, but long story short, every single ear piercing I have gotten has closed. I've only ever gotten the lobes. Really? Yeah. That's but on one of them, you could even see the, like- Two and a half different holes I've had. Yeah. And they've always closed. Yeah. When I was talking to this guy who tattoos, he was like, you know, you could probably get, like, the tiniest little gauges ever, and I could put, like, wood or glass, and that should be okay. Okay. So I'm thinking about it. Yeah, no, it sounds like I shouldn't be allergic to wood or glass, hopefully. I think by now you would have found out if you were allergic to that stuff, but... Maybe. I should get, like, a wood or a glass bracelet and wear it for (laughs) a month. Yes. See what happens. But it's so funny because I went... There was probably a solid decade of my life where I didn't use my earlobe piercings at all, and they're still open. Yeah. I had to wear an earring every day for my entire life, and they still closed. The, like, one day I took them out. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so that's my life. <sighs> well, here's to changing our bodies forever. I don't have a drink. Fist bump. Yeah. <laughs> Goth body mod episode literally possibly coming soon i think i told you too when i was getting mothman done i while it was getting done i had that little thought of like hmm i might regret this one day but then like he completely threw it out the window with like life's too short the world's ending who cares it looks awesome yeah that's why i'm also like i want to get more work done like now yeah right after this episode (laughs) all right bye guys bye Unfortunately, as you said, this is not the body mod episode. No. Oh, and I just want to do quickly one more thing, because there's a lot of people who are annoying 
in like quote unquote the body mod communicate community or something. Oh, uh, I don't talk to people, so I don't know about that. <laughs> Just tattoos and piercings count as body modifications. Doesn't matter how small or yeah. tiny. I don't care if all she has is one tiny nose ring. It still counts. Shut up. Yeah. There's no gatekeeping in body mods. Yeah. Unless it's like not, not safe or dangerous or whatever. Yeah. Don't do anything dangerous. And also make sure you're taking care of your, you know, body mods after you get them. I didn't know there was gatekeeping, but I'm also not surprised. Not everything has to be extreme. And if we're going extremes, um, part of my face is reconstructed, so I think I think that counts as a body mod. Yeah. So, shut up. I have six tattoos, so... Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm allowed to sit at the table. <laughs> I think you can sit at the, the table at Thanksgiving. Thank you. You don't have to sit with the kids. I always sit with the kids. You are the kids. Thank you. Always. So, anyway, we're not here to talk about body mods too much. We're just very excited about that, and we had to tell you guys. So, Sylvia, what are we actually here to talk about? What are we talking about today, Allison? Thank you for completely ignoring me. <laughs> so, <laughs> what we're talking about is, so we're going to change the format up a little bit. We've done reviews in the past, but now we're going to do a music review for you guys. Sylvia is... This is clapping. Clapping like a crab. <laughs> you can't really clap, so that's my clapping. That's fair. So, um, how we, we did a very scientific method to figure out which album would be the first that we review for you guys. And, um, we did this by going into Google and typing in best goth album. So we picked the first result that came up because it was something that we both had heard of before. So we will be presenting to you, our lovely listeners, a review of the Sisters of Mercy. The Sisters of Mercy. Not the other one. The Sisters of Mercy. Not the ones down the street. And their lovely 1987 album, Floodland. I'm very excited for this. I was very excited for this episode. Um, we did take a break from recording, even though episodes have still been coming out consistently. And I started prepping pretty much the second we came up with the idea for this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm a forgetter and lazy, so I still haven't completely digested every single song. It's fine. I mean, we could talk it out. So, I, I, I this isn't cheating, but also I cheated, quote, unquote. So, I listened to this album last year or two years ago, actually, because I pretty much did the same thing where I googled influential goth albums. Of course this comes up. It's a classic. And my impression of it has changed dramatically, but first listen, I did not like this album. I'll be very <laughs> upfront about that. That's funny, because my first listen, I already had, like, favorite songs. Oh yeah, no, there were songs that I liked. It's just the issue I had with it was something that you know, was a little intimidating for you as well, was the length <laughs> of just some of these songs. It felt like songs had good ideas, but they just kept going and going and going and going to the point where enough wasn't changing to keep me interested. And I, lis I listen to prog rock sometimes, so I'm totally fine with listening to, like, 15-minute songs, as long as there's something interesting to keep, you know, me 
immersed in what they're trying to tell me or what they're trying to do with their song. Um, I felt like this album really needed someone to just cut down some of the ideas. <laughs> so when I heard the Sisters of Mercy's first album, First and Last and Always, which is more traditional where it's like every song is three or four minutes, I was like, this is so much better. Why do people like Floodland so much? But upon multiple listens and doing some research on what led this album to be a thing, my impression of it has changed dramatically. So that's another thing. I decided to not really do any research on this. Not because I was lazy, but mm -hmm. because of another point that we're going to bring up when we digest songs little by little, but like, because I wanted to have initial thoughts and feelings, my first listen, then I wanted to listen to it with the lyrics attached, mm -hmm. you know, to get a more, a different idea of it, to see if my thoughts or impressions changed, and then see if I had time to dive into the history of it, Yeah, to see if knowing anything then mm -hmm. changes my thoughts, feelings, opinions. Yeah, and I feel like that's how most people would approach music. Um, it's just, you know, you consume the media. Most people don't care about the backstory behind an mm -hmm. album. You know, if you're just a casual listener, you're not going to be like, oh, and then this led to this and that led to that, you know? So I feel like it's good that we have both perspectives going on here, especially considering how, uh, if, if we asked like two years ago, Allison, how she felt about this album, it would have just been awful. It's just like just defacing this goth classic and then our goth cards would really be in the fire. Yep. So we are, well, at least I can say I do like this album and I'll talk more about my feelings and everything in depth as we go along, but I do like it. I do think it's a good album. Me too. So thank you for not canceling us. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, I mean, at least I listened to the version that was on Spotify it has eight songs, 45 minutes, 37 seconds total. Yes, so that is the that is the version we both listened to. That was the original vinyl release of the album. I know there's extra sh songs that show up on the cassette release and like re-releases, but we didn't really do any of that. So our listing of songs starts with Dominion, Mother Russia, and it ends with Neverland, A Fragment. Mm-hmm. Another thing is, I went to YouTube because I was looking for lyric videos. See if that would just make my life easier. Mm -hmm. They don't really exist, but anyway. <laughs> um, one of the songs came up being 12 minutes long. Yeah. And on Spotify, it is not 12 minutes long. Yeah. So I think the one you're talking about is the last one, Neverland. Yes. Because the one that's on the initial vinyl release is literally just a part of that song. So, and then... On other releases, they release the full 12 minute version of that song. <laughs> so, just because we're talking about that now, I want to show you this note I wrote for it. Uh huh. <laughs> Go ahead. The very Let's last see. one Neverland. Love the beat and tempo. Whisper. Wait, what does it say? Just read the last note. Too short, give me more. <laughs> <laughs> Too short, give me more. And then I find out it, there's 12 minutes. Of yes, there's still <laughs> nine minutes left of the song. Well, my wish was answered. Yes. This is such a, this is such like a goth album where like all the songs are just long and drawn out mm -hmm. and just so moody and atmospheric. It really is what you think of when you think 
goth music is just like very dramatic and grand and there's a choir and you know everything's so wonderfully so much yeah like it's <laughs> i was telling allison in the car that my um therapist asked me to describe uh goth music and i was like how exactly do i describe atmosphere <laughs> yeah it, it this album has it in spades mm-hmm. where it's like it's it it does feel like a floodland in some ways. So it's very dark and gloomy, but it's also industrial in its own way. There are songs you could dance to, songs you could chill to. Yeah, songs you can contemplate to as you stare out the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, do you want to go song by song? I think that's good, yes. Okay. So, let's talk about the album opener, which is Dominion slash Mother Russia. It's technically two songs, but they have the same melody, so they just kind of threw them together, even though they're about very different things. Um, I really liked it. This was my second favorite song mm-hmm. in the whole album. Mm-hmm. I love the the beat and the tempo. I wrote, it reminds me of an 80s soundtrack, but in a really good way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing definitely about this album. It's a product of its time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the best way possible. And... Generally, I really liked it. When I listened to it again with the lyrics, I did this for, like, four of the songs. I, like, was like, how many times can I say, like, 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 like? Song kind of. <laughs> Obviously, it seems to be about a controlling ruler. This actually happened because I looked up what Dominion means. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what's that mean? Mm-hmm. I got a lot of results for a voting system, actually. <laughs> Yes, we're diving into politics now, already. (laughs) And, I mean, oh, wow, I totally didn't get that vibe with the whole Mother Russia part. It could be about anything. (laughs) 1987, talking about Russia. Mother Russia. Mother Mother Russia. Russia. (laughs) Yeah, so, something I think is very interesting about this song is that it has a lot of strings and just straight-up saxophone on it. Which I feel like most people do not associate with goth music at all. Mostly they're thinking of like hard rock, things like that. But yeah, there's a sax solo on this song and I'm here for it. So I'm here for the weird musical choices like that. Um, it does seem to be a song about power and control, which I think is interesting given the rest of the information mm-hmm. I have about this album. Um so the second half of it, Mother Russia, is actually about Chernobyl. So I didn't really get that impression the first time I heard it. I Like, the first part of Dominion may, seemed more clear, where it's about this, like, struggle of power and control. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, first song on the album, I immediately identified an issue that I was going to have and you had throughout this album, where... Andrew Eldritch has a very nice, <laughs> unique baritone voice, but it's very hard to make out sometimes what he's saying. Yeah. This is why I definitely had to re-listen with the lyrics right in front oh, of yeah. me. No, it's like I, in my notes, I have things separated from like my initial reaction and then, okay, now I went to Genius.com and read the lyrics. <laughs> so, and you know, that informed my listening as well. Um, it's just, it feels like it's starting off with a very anthemic song, too, where it's just like, yeah, Dominion! 
<laughs> I mean, it definitely drew me in. Yeah, it, it definitely catches your eye, which is interesting. Well, your ear, technically. <laughs> it catches your ear. Yeah, and it kind of sets up this pattern that we talked about in the album where it's there's like a more like up-tempo, anthemic song followed by a slower song, which I thought was really interesting. So this one immediately like hooks you in. You want to introduce the new... Do you want to introduce the next one? Yes. So the next song is actually one of two on the album. It is called Flood One. So it already sets up some interesting expectations where it's like, okay, this is going to be like a part one of something. Mm-hmm. So it's also the um the album song. Yeah. It's... Well, the album's Floodland, but this is Flood. Fight me. <laughs> it's not called Flood 1, Sylvia. <laughs> Are you even a real goth? No, we've, we've already been through we this. Did. Okay, fine. <laughs> Alright, so not real goth, Sylvia. Anyway. So, this one is one of the slower songs on the album. It's definitely not more poetic, necessarily, but it feels like it was written originally as a poem, if that makes I agree, sense. Yeah. What was your initial, like, first listen thoughts? My first first listen, when I first listened to the album years ago, I hated this song. <laughs> but, um, I do like it a lot more now. It's very atmospheric. Um, I made a TikTok with it in the background because I was just relaxing and I had my lavender candle on. And that's, that's the kind of song it is. It's goth music kind of to relax to. I literally wrote that down too. It's like, I can chill to this song, but not dance or drive to it. Yes. Um, I actually wanted to put this, I want to go back and rate the songs one by one. Okay. So all in all, I give Dominion 10 out of 10. Yeah, I really like Dominion. Even upon my first initial years ago listening of the album, that was one of the songs I would always come back to. There was only, like, two songs that I kept listening to, and we'll talk about the other one. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So. Flood One also introduces a really interesting theme in the album, where we get a lot of water imagery. You know me, I love my water. I know. (laughs) I also love water. So I'm an English major, so you're going to hear a lot about this. So, Sylvia, would you like to talk about the history of water imagery and what it could symbolize? (laughs) No. (laughs) Alright, so I'm gonna do it then. (laughs) So, because I I would honestly just be talking out of my ass. That's what describing things is, though. (laughs) That's what analyzing is. So you have a degree which gives you permission to talk out of your ass. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically what I went to school for, so. (laughs) You see this? This gives me permission. (laughs) I do what I want. (laughs) So, the immediate thing that linked up in my brain was that water tends to be seen as a more feminine property. Mm -hmm. And in Flood, there's this unnamed woman. We get these lines. Honestly, I don't, I can't tell you what Flood 1 is about. Oh, I I have an idea. (laughs) Alright. So, we get um, lines like, her hallway is like the ocean. And mm-hmm. things like that. So it's like, okay, immediately we're comparing this woman to water. So it's just like, okay, water femininity, that's a classic trope. I'm not going to list the entire history of this to you. But it also is interesting because 
Um, Floodland was made after a huge lineup change in the Sisters of Mercy. There almost was no Sisters of Mercy at this point because the original band lineup split. Andrew Eldridge was the only one left behind, essentially, to be Sisters of Mercy. And so he could create uh, complete his album, he hired bassist Patricia Morrison to play the bass. She actually ended up not playing the bass on the album. He did it. So it's like, what's even the point? But I do get this feeling that Patricia is something of a muse to Andrew, where there's another song later that um, is specifically about her that he wrote for her. You know, hashtag just friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that's immediately the... um, the through line I thought of with like water femininity, okay, bringing in a feminine presence, a flood, bringing about a great upheaval and change. Are you gonna say it's about sex? No, <laughs> but we're on very different pages. Okay, I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> um, I thought the song was about suicide. Really? Yeah. Please tell me. So here, let me. I just closed the tab, so let me. <laughs> the lyrics again. Okay, so I tried to also, similar to you, trying to think what is the water representing here. Water could be life, overflowing emotions, Mm -hmm. rivers and seas. I also always see them more as, like, danger, Mm -hmm. even though the sea is not always something dangerous and deadly, mm-hmm. that is a lot of the light a lot of people like to shine it in. Yeah, I think it's pretty apt here because, you know, we're talking about floods. It's yeah. not... <laughs> it's not a safe yeah, it's, water. It's not a good water. And then we have, um... Where is it? I can't find it right now. I'm not gonna look through the lyrics too hard. Mm-hmm. But a part with flowing down... Mm-hmm. The river, yeah. that's always seen as kind of a metaphor of, oh, like, yeah. death. Yeah. You're going R- down the river. River sticks, yeah. There's, um, a ship mentioned. Oh, down the river there's a ship will carry you. Immediately oh, okay. went yeah. to, what's, what's the guy called? Uh, Charon. Charon, whatever his name. That man. Yeah. <laughs> I went to him. Fairy man. The fairy man. Uh, carrying you down river into the afterlife. That is so interesting because I couldn't quite place the river, but I thought of a river as well. Um, the, some of the sounds of it kind of resonated more like Egyptian inspired with me. So I was like, okay, is this about the Nile then? The Nile mm-hmm. floods. So it's really interesting that we have two different interpretations of not yeah. just the song in general, but just this one part of it too. But also then I took um, the being in the bar for hours and writing stuff down. And it seems the picture I was painting was of this woman who was incredibly, like, distressed trying to write something down. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm linking it back to... Mm-hmm. I don't want to keep saying the word because we didn't put a trigger, so... Yes, that. That. <laughs> trying to get, like, a note out, a letter out. Mm-hmm. Water comes rushing in, rushing over. Mm-hmm. And... In terms of surrender. Yeah. So, yeah, this is where my brain was going. Okay. I tried to think of other metaphors. I did try... I did play around the sex metaphor. I mm-hmm. played around with childbirth. Yeah. 
But no, I think that's where I've landed. Yeah, no, I definitely see it now that you've explained it to me. It it does feel very much like a song of mourning, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my thought process was like, okay, you know, at the end of an era, the beginning of a new one, rather. Oh, wait. Whereas, we'll bring that little round again, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas you see it more as, like, the ending of a life. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really cool. And I, I even wrote down here, it's like, it's almost like a dirge-like song. There we go. Ho, he, ho, he, ho, he. There's also the part where he mentions, like, flowers in oh, the yeah. metal and blood, the scent of mascara. Oh, uh, strange men rent strange flowers and I'll be picking up your petals. Mm-hmm. So I thought of, you know, people, you know, purchasing the flowers to bring to the funeral. Mm-hmm. And also with the mascara and the black cloth. Yeah, I originally thought that was a metaphor, like, he was talking about sex work for a second. That could be it, too. I, yeah, I honestly didn't explore that avenue too much, because I didn't, I felt like it didn't, like, really fit in the end, but mm-hmm. I don't and know. This song's current time and place, because I also like, I feel like some albums have a story to them mm-hmm. that they follow through, so, especially it being Flood 1, Yeah, I didn't have a motive yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, maybe that'll come in Flood 2 mm-hmm. or another song in the album. But yeah. as of that point in time, I didn't have a motive for what was going on. Yeah. It's like we have Power Control and Chernobyl and then Flood 1. <laughs> flood 1. So, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I think this is the issue I had originally with my listening of the album is because I didn't look up anything outside of just the album itself. I a lot was lost on me. Mm-hmm. This was that song I I texted you about where I'm like I had to listen to my least favorite song like five times <laughs> over and over again because people kept interrupting me. Yeah, it it does feel very much like a poem in that there might not be like one specific meaning. <laughs> yeah, know? so hearts up to the eye beholder. Yeah, I feel like I need to print out copies of the lyrics so we can like peer review them and write them down <laughs> write down notes it's like okay class what does this mean and as i briefly mentioned this was my least favorite song in the beginning i had i gave it a two out of ten but after i revisited it with the lyrics i then gave it an eight out of ten yeah i feel like that's fair i really do like this song it's very atmospheric it's very dark very gothic even if you want to go there yep even though andrew would not appreciate us calling his music gothic he could work on the steps to re to move the resident service area Wow, I can't believe you just said that on pod. That's a very <laughs> complex joke that no one else will understand. Con- <laughs> <laughs> I love how you make it sound like it's just this very like intellectual thing. It's an Animal Crossing reference. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're no not- one else will understand. Yes, we're not here to talk about <laughs> Animal Crossing. So let's move on to. We have one song about a woman who, well, at least where she's one, uh, at least a song where a woman's a main character. And then we have one that is specifically about the backing vocalist slash, slash bass player, Patricia Morrison. Oh, this is the song about her? Yes. Lucretia, My Reflection, which is probably, I don't want to say the most famous song from this album, but definitely second. I am a concern. 
<laughs> but okay, let's keep going. So immediately this song just hits you with that bass line. I love it. I love it. So good. And we return back to sort of like a more anthem style song where originally I didn't know what this song was about either. So I was just like, but I would like be like, yeah, whatever he said. <laughs> you know, it's just like it builds you up. It's like, yeah. Hang on. So, yes. I really like the transition from Flood mm -hmm. to Lucretia. Yeah. Which is one great thing. Like, it's one thing to take the songs one by one, but it is an album. Mm -hmm. So you should listen to it as it flows. Flows. Like, ah. like water. Uh, that's The <laughs> songs flow into one another. God, we're so smart. <laughs> Give us our awards. Okay, but honestly, this is how I kept getting A's in English class. It was just stupid little coincidences like that. Oh, I was thinking today when I was getting ready, like, well, this is going to be that instance of me doing a group project, and I'm just going to BS my no. second half because I didn't do the homework for that part. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so, yes, uh, this is about Patricia. It's also, it compares her to the... Um, historical figure Lucretia Borgia, who was a member of the Borgia family in Italy. I don't remember what century it was. It was a long time ago, and they were basically the ruling family of Italy for a while. They just had so much money and power and wealth. It was ridiculous. Hmm, and power. Yeah, power. <laughs> and Lucretia was uh, seen as something of a femme fatale in her day, where she was very beautiful, but she was also very domineering she was in control she was very much the opposite of what women were expected to be back in those days where it's like you're a woman how are you in control in control of things what hang on a minute and that um this is the song where i'm just like do you do you, i feel like you feel something like you have feelings for her don't you andrew don't you so this is evidence of like who did research and who didn't. Because oh. I just read this little blurb on Google. <laughs> and that's why, like, my mind is spinning right now. Because I'm like, I got a very different vibe. Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. And the, um, just, just Google Lucretia and read the little blurb that Google pops up. Yeah. Because then it, it ties back to Flood 1. Yes, it does. I wrote that here, too. <laughs> and also, it... Because of what had happened to her, yes, there um, was trigger warning on that. Real quick, we're not going to say what happened. Yeah, but there was a uprising. Yes, according to this. Oh, this 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 album's like an onion. It has layers. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, wait, burp, 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 burp. that's really interesting though, because I I like that a lot. Because mm -hmm. I didn't. I just basically took you know, Andrew's words as law. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to explore this avenue. But that opens up a whole nother realm of possibilities. Yeah, you saw it as kind of like an ode to someone, mm -hmm. kind of metaphorically. And I was mm -hmm. and I was seeing it as the continuation of this story. Yeah, which that it... Flood had painted. Yeah, which it does kind of seem like a continuation since Flood flows right into this song. <laughs> you can't see it, but we're doing like flowing hand motions. Uh, it just happened. <laughs> I also wrote, or could this song be about concentration camps? 
I don't remember where I got that idea from. Mm -hmm. I can't. I think I got it because, like, earlier we were talking about Mother Russia, and now we were talking about, like, Uprising, and... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, some has a lot of interesting political... People say goths, not political. Yeah, it's not necessarily commentary, but it's it's talking a lot about politics. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like, you know, that's another major theme is power and control. Joel's life. (laughs) I love it. Anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, I kind of took this as a metaphor for the band's reformation. Because, you know, we have this new woman in power who has sort of revitalized things. And... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've done a book report. This doesn't even feel like an album review. <laughs> That's like, okay, this is all the uh, symbolism and imagery and blah blah blah. This is a book report. Oh god, am I getting graded for this? Yes. Oh no. <laughs> so, I was rating the songs one by one. <laughs> I gave this song another 8 out of 10. This is one of the songs I play when I'm, like, walking to work. And I just, like, start kicking things randomly. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that I look cool. You just look like a jerk. I really really do. But um, this song also raised for me the uh, possibility that Flood 1 was also about Patricia. Since they seem to be connected in some way. I don't know quite how, but... Well, I mean, I, no, I talked about why. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Allison, cut that out. All right, now we're getting to the songs where I did not have time to fully digest them, so... <laughs> it's all good. Here we go! Yeah, so 1959 is a slow piano ballad, again, keeping in theme of fast song, fast song, slow song, fast song, slow song. Um, it is... I know some places were like, oh, did you know that this was actually used? This actually um, wasn't a piano. It was a, a synthesizer that made this noise. And I'm like, it's pretty obvious <laughs> to me, at least. <laughs> so it, even if it doesn't sound immediately like an industrial song, it has that like sort of like industrial fakeness to it, if that yeah. makes sense. It's very manufactured. That's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, um, so 1959 is the year that Andrew Eldridge was born. So In my notes, I wrote, I suck at history, and I should feel like this should be a dead giveaway. <laughs> no, you're good. But it did bring me back to, you know, we were talking about the Cold War, because, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about Chernobyl, Mother Russia, you know, of course, this came out in 87, so that the Cold War is very much still a thing back then. So, but, I, you know, I tried tying it back to that originally, but it seems to be a much more straightforward song just about his youth and nostalgia. I actually have a quote from him. Um, It's about innocence and dot 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 stuff. So deep. I know. (laughs) That really hit me, man. (laughs) I know. Um, He mentioned someone named Isabel in the song several times. And I looked up who Isabel was. I know you mentioned before, like, you asked if that was his mother or someone he was close to. I thought it was a childhood friend. No, it was just a fan who wrote in and was like, hey, you should do more slow songs. Can you feel it, Isabel? Can you feel it? (laughs) Are you feeling it, Mr. Krabs? 
mean, I'm glad she got her wish. Yeah, I'm glad too. Um, some of the key changes in this kill me though. Like just musically, I can't. My brain doesn't want to hear it. Really, I like this song. Um, it's not my favorite on the album, but I don't hate it like I did originally. Cause I, huh. I gave it a seven out of ten. Yeah, it's just the fakeness of the pianos kind of throws me off. So, it's not my favorite to listen back to, but it's not bad either. And also, I don't know, some of the talks of nostalgia just seem kind of, like, a little too cheesy for me. I mean, now that I know it's about nostalgia, the song is probably going to drop in my ratings, Uh because you know I can't stand nostalgia. Well, too bad we're going and talking about nostalgia. So... Yeah, so 7 out of 10 for you, or do you want to drop your rating now? It's going to be 7 now, because I still, I need to fully digest. You guys are probably not going to get an updated rating system, sorry. (laughs) Alright, well, now that I ruined that song for you, let's move on to at least what, in my opinion, feels like the centerpiece for this album. (sighs) Good old 11 minute long. This corrosion. Didn't even notice it was 11 minutes because I was enjoying it way too much. <laughs> it is possibly the most 80s song on this album. <laughs> oh my god. You just immediately get hit with that like Catholic sounding 40 person choir in the beginning. And you just know you're in for a ride. You either... It's either going to be really, really bad or really, really good. <laughs> yeah. And we got hit with the really good. Yeah, and the, the drums on this is just like, mwah, perfect. There actually was no drummer for this album. They used a drum machine, which I feel like adds to like that manufactured quality I was talking about with the pianos in 1959. Um, it just, it feels like the whole album was building up to this song. And it comes at you like right in the middle of it. Um... It almost feels like a gospel song at some points, because <laughs> you have, like, the clapping, you have the choir chanting, and that's, like... You have people catching the Holy Ghost. Yeah, it's like people are passing out all around you. It's like, yes, I want to catch the corrosion. <laughs> Except you really don't. Because, um, you said you didn't get a chance to look into what this the lyrics, right? No, I did not. So, that's actually a good thing, because this song has no meaning. Great! <laughs> So it is just a song I could like I could dance to. Yes, but it it doesn't the song itself doesn't have a meaning, but the fact that it has no meaning has a meaning. Shut up. So <laughs> this song really cements to me that this album is about is it's just really petty. It's just a really petty album and Andrew is very petty and um upset at the former incarnation of Sisters of Mercy breaking up because this song is supposed to be like a pastiche of what they moved on to do with their new group where they felt he felt like they weren't singing about anything that everything was just noise mm-hmm. so he's like okay I'm gonna make an 11 minute song that's just noise and lyrics that don't mean anything to make fun of them this whole thing is just like Beautiful pettiness, just goth drama, like that's uncut, why I like it so much. And un- just like pure. So the former members of Sister of Mercy who left after the first album, they formed a band called The Mission, 
And Andrew was not a fan. So he made this song in their not quite honor. <laughs> I made this song to make fun of you guys. Basically. And they had a very long back and forth where originally they were fighting over who would, got to, who would get to use the name Sisters of Mercy. Originally it wasn't going to be any of them, but then they started trying to use it to, you know, like, profit off of the name. And Andrew's like, no, you can't do that. So he took him to court. And then they picked a different name. They were the Sisterhood, and then he became the Sisterhood and released this <laughs> released a song that was purposely bad to like poo poo on them. And then they changed their name, and then he made this song on this album. What adults! I know, right? Honestly, this album kind of feels like a concept album that's just about the band breaking up. And, it could be. And this is just the centerpiece of it, you know. Shall we go back to song one with that idea in mind? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, power control, uh, floods. That's where I got the idea of the flood as being, like, a bringer of change. Mm-hmm. It's just wiping out everything. You know, it's destructive, but there could be some good that comes out of it. What if Lucretia is himself? He did call her his reflection. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I think that's. I think that was him complimenting Patricia, where it's like, y- you and me, we're on the same page here. We're gonna take over the world. <laughs> and, I mean, they kind of did. This album did very well for them. And next up, we have the continuation of Flood 1, uh, very creatively titled Flood 2. So this one, again, I didn't really get to listen and digest the lyrics, but I can tell you this, I liked it a lot better than Flood 1. Yeah, same. Because remember that imagery I was pulling before? Yeah. This new one starts with this image of a powerful woman opening up her arms, basically saying, like, no one's gonna hurt you here. Yeah. Come here, hun. Give me a hug. Yeah. Which, again, I envisioned as Patricia. (laughs) Come here. Give me a hug. Yeah. It's like, oh, (laughs) Andrew, it's okay. No one can hurt you now. Like, I got you. Except she left after this album, so... (laughs) Uh, Andrew Eldridge seems like a joy to work with. If you if you mess up, then he'll write a whole album about how much he hates you. Oh, is that the next album? No. Uh, the next album's actually about George W. Bush Sr., so... Oh, wonderful. Uh, about how much he didn't like him, so... Great. Yep. I can at least get behind that. Um, so, Flood 2 introduce, introduces some of the same imagery that we see in Flood 1. Again, we talk about hallways that are like the ocean... Which I still don't, I still can't quite wrap my head around. What is the, what is the, what is that organ called? Sarcophagus? Uh, esophagus. Esophagus, that's Egypt. Yes. <laughs> the filling up of water, because it's like a hallway. Okay. I, I can know. see that. I, I don't know, I, I... For me, this song just solidified the fact that floods one and two were about Patricia. And it's like, it's, you know, water as a catalyst of change. And not necessarily in a bad way, but, you know, some destruction needed to happen. Yeah. In order for the rebuilding to happen. You got a demo before you could rebuild. Yep, exactly. And then... Song after that, we have Driven Like the Snow, which I thought was an interesting change on the water theme. 
where it's like, all right, we've had floods, we've had oceans, we've had rivers. Now we have snow. Now we have snow. And with snow, we tend to think more death-like, you know. We talked about this a little bit in our winter episode where winter is more associated with death and decay and things like that. So that's kind of the feeling I got from this song. Yeah, that's pretty much all I had for this song. Yeah, I really didn't have, like, any notes, <laughs> unfortunately. No, I know I do like the song. It just wasn't one that I was able to yeah. fully embrace into my soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it kind of... I think this might be my least favorite song on the album, just because it seems very... I don't know, cut and dry, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it's kind of just repeating similar things that we've heard. You know, power control, water, we get it. <laughs> Floods. <laughs> and that brings us to the album Closer, which, interestingly enough, is only part of a song. That I learned. <laughs> Not the whole song. Neverland, in parentheses, a fragment. Oh, that's why it's called a fragment. Yeah. I'm it's just, smart. It's just a fragment of Neverland. Which is a very, it starts off very big and moody, mm-hmm. which is interesting to me as, like, the album closer. It's like hitting you with one last punch before we go, you know? And, um, right, one more shot before the road. <laughs> basically, yeah. Don't drink and drive. It's so funny. Um, I, in my notes, I wrote, is this about Patricia again? <laughs> um, I don't think it is. Um... It actually, surprisingly enough, is the slowest, not the slowest, the shortest song on the album. So it feels like it's just, again, one more shot for the road. (laughs) Short and sweet. We're not doing 11 minutes this time. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, It felt to me like, again, it was talking about this idea of change, things crumbling down to be rebuilt. So it's not necessarily the greatest note to end on, but it does feel like there's a hopeful, like, note, you know, it's almost triumphant, and it's like, yeah, we're back, except we're not, like I talked about before. Boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. Except they're not. <laughs> except they're not. <laughs> That's basically how, what I got, like, overall from this album. Um, I do think, just, like, in general, this album gets better every time you listen to it. Because mm-hmm. I talked about before how much I hated it. <laughs> yeah, and I've had change of hearts listening to it. Mm-hmm. I listened to one song with Alice in the car, and it was this corrosion. <laughs> and her only comment was, wow, this is very 80s. <laughs> yeah. So now you know it was done on purpose. It was meant <laughs> to be as cheesy as and bombastic as possible. Do you think he's upset that that's one of the most popular I don't know, actually. He I actually don't be. know if it's popular, though, I shouldn't say. I, I would say it's popular. It's like, uh, this Corrosion and Lucretia are probably the biggest songs from this album. So, this album actually did amazingly for them. Like, they were, this, like, put them on the map. On the map. Yeah, and it's so funny because this Corrosion was one of the singles, but I feel like so many people didn't get it. They didn't really quite understand that it was supposed to be, like, making fun of this kind of music. So it's like, they had to keep playing it over and over again. Because <laughs> people were like, oh, I love this song. It's so catchy. And the lyrics are so good. And I just imagine Andrew in the corner, like, it's not supposed to be good. It's, like, too bad. Yeah. 
That I mean, that's happened to a few artists before where it's like, I'm going to make a song making fun of this kind of music. Oh no, everybody loves it and doesn't yeah. get the irony. Oh my god, yeah. And that's just like a huge case in this scenario. So overall, I would give the album a 7 out of 10. I would give it... Um, I'd give it an 8 out of 10. Okay. Like I said, I still need to... Something to go back to it a little, but mm-hmm. right now I feel comfortable giving you like I mean, you know, um, seven point five, seven point five out of ten. Okay, sounds good. So yeah, we had very similar listening experiences. It seemed like it's good stuff. Um, is it the best goth album that's ever existed? I can't say that. Um, I feel like that doesn't you can't really answer that question. Yeah, but I say check it out. It's pretty good. Um. One thing that I did want to note that was very impressive is that Andrew Eldridge basically did everything for this album. He wrote all the songs, he sang, he... I'm pretty sure he did the drum machines for it, too. He played the guitar, he played the bass for it. Mm -hmm. He did some production. And um, props to him for that. (laughs) Because that's a crazy amount of work. So it feels like this was really his passion project. And he was very passionate about being petty. And thank goodness for that, because we got a pretty good album out of it. <laughs> you know, it's, if you're petty, don't, don't like, get over it and live your life. Profit off of it. Yes. That is the main takeaway from this album, is just hold on to your grudges, because someday you'll make a good album. Oh, that, who was that person that made a poem called Make Good Art, which was basically something along those lines? Uh, it sounds so familiar. We'll link it down below. <laughs> You petty? Make art. Yes. Basically. It's like, no, brooding artists make good art. Not because they're brooding, but because they're angry. <laughs> you gotta bottle up that anger and resentment and turn it into art. And then smash it. On the canvas. Smack it. Or on the microphone. Yeah, don't smack the microphone. That's expensive. With this album, we want to bring up a question because I feel like it's very pertinent to it. So, as you can see, just between the two of us and between, you know, even my listenings, knowing more about the album changed my perception of it and our perception of it. It's different. Oh, yeah. So, I feel like this album raises a question, and I just, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about it. It's like, is this album as good without the context? Or do you need the context of the breakup and the reformation to really appreciate and enjoy this album. That didn't really change much of my thoughts. It just kind of made this corrosion a little funny. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I I still, you know, I'm like, oh, this is still a really good song. And now you tell me the backstory. I'm like, oh, (laughs) I still like it. (laughs) And no, no offense to you, but like all the history you brought up pretty much didn't change anything. (laughs) How dare you? I was, I was trying to blow your mind with the fact that this stuff happened. Like when no. you brought up um, Patricia probably being the muse for all these songs. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I still like them, but I'm still going to sit on my theory. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, how about mine? Did any of my ideas change the way you felt about a song or two? Yeah, definitely um, thinking more about Floods 1 and 2. With what you were saying before. And even, you know, with Lucretia, my reflection. the um, That one the I might need to re-listen to with that idea. Yeah. 
it's a good song anyway, so. <laughs> Wait, I lied. There is one song that now is just, like, completely different because of something you brought up. Is it 1959? It is. <laughs> Don't you love it? I hate nostalgia. I already, like, kind of didn't like the song. It's such a cheesy piano ballad. And I'm surprised you liked it to begin with. What rating did I originally give it? I think you gave it a, a seven? Break it down to three. <laughs> It lost four points because it's about nostalgia. Yes. How? Because it's about nostalgia. What's wrong with nostalgia? People, Everything. People get nostalgic. I hate it. How are you going to fault him for that? He's an old man. He just wants to look back on his life, Isabel. <laughs> no. I mean, that part is, like, kind of cute, but... I, I don't... No. I don't like it. <laughs> set it on fire. Don't set it on fire. You're not allowed don't. to have a childhood, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, don't like nostalgia. That's fair enough. Um, in my opinion, because I'm an English major, you can't really separate a text from the context that created it. And that gets into all kinds of muddy ideas with things like death of the author, stuff like that. Um, you can't, I, I feel like you just, you can't see it without the context. I feel like it's too important in this case. Like I said before, it's almost like a con, uh, like a concept album mm -hmm. of just pettiness. <laughs> I think that that just made it better. Now it's a, an 11 out of 10. <laughs> I, com I do agree with you. I'm just saying, I feel like none of my feelings were swayed, mm -hmm. except for 1959. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's still something that was swayed. Alright, there we go. So, I, I just think that's really interesting, because nowadays, music's less about albums and more about just individual songs. Yeah, so I agree. I feel like this is something that needs to be seen in full context you know, like, what are you going to do with Flood 2 if you don't have everything else that came before it, you know? I also feel like a lot of songs nowadays, a lot of albums nowadays, they don't seem to have, like, that background to it, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like, someone will be happily married and then sing about sleeping around with a bunch of strangers. Yeah. And every song on their album is something different like that. And then they'll throw in a love ballad to their spouse. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, like I said, uh, radio now, and especially when you see this with pop music, it's more about singles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, breakup songs do well and love songs do very well because those are things that are kind of universal. So you'll have artists who are, you know, happily married and then it's like, oh, let's do a breakup song because, you know, that that's what the teenagers want to hear. Yeah. And they'll come up with some BS like, oh, it was about that boy in kindergarten who took my cookie. You know what? That's what this album was missing. <laughs> Isabel, you took... Oh, no. Isabel, you took my cookie. You also got that echo microphone effect that oh, you yes. know how much I love. Yeah. The reverb on this album is strong. Um, we talked about this a little bit before, but we both had trouble understanding exactly what Andrew was saying for good chunks of the album. What? What are you saying? 
But I feel like his performance on this is just so influential. Like, this is the sound of goth singing. Because it's like... The sound of a bat. Yes. (laughs) This is the sound the bat makes. (laughs) What? I just imagined a bat opening his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, my my voice cannot go that low, but props to him. I was picturing more like a bat opens his voice and it's this album, but... (laughs) I like your idea, too. <laughs> Honestly, if a bat could do that, they're worth having as pets. I will gladly let a bat live in my hair. Oh, I wish I could own a bat. You can't own a bat, but I wish I could. Can I take care of one? You could volunteer at, like, a rescue center. Heck yeah. You know what the most goth thing ever is? Volunteering. Guys. Do it. Do it. Hang out with the bats. So what album should we listen to next time? Um, I feel like we looked at such a classic that we should look at something more recent. Okay. If you guys have, I was going to say, like, if you guys have any recommendations for recent, really good goth albums, let us know. Please send us your recommendations. (laughs) Um, yeah, Google doesn't really know goth music. They gave us this one, which was good, and I'm grateful for it. But, um, Google needs help. So we want to go somewhere completely different on our goth timeline, because I feel like this is this is one of the albums that the gatekeepers will drill down your throat. Do you think that someone who has heard a billion times to listen to this album would like it? I feel like if it's been drilled down their throat, no, mm-hmm. because no one wants to be forced to watch or listen to something. Yeah. But I feel like if they were to find a list and, like, go through it, I think they might. I think they would probably like the same mm-hmm. two, three songs that you and I like the yeah. most. <laughs> yeah. Um, if or if anything, at least the corrosion. <laughs> yeah. Um, if anyone's telling you you need to listen to this album, Roundhouse kick them because you don't need to do anything. Um, it's a It's an important part of goth history. It should be recognized as such, but you don't have to listen to it and you don't even you don't have to like it no either you know we wanted to talk about it just because you know we're very excited about doing music reviews we want to start off strong with something that a lot of people would recognize but we're not going to tell you you need to listen to this in order to be a goth i would love to throw out some really wild ones mm-hmm. yeah let's just let's find like really weird obscure albums to review that and, like, some weird genre of goth. Like, let's read a bubblegum goth album. Yes. <laughs> if you have any gothic country albums. Ooh, hit me with that, goth yeah. country. I feel like that's just Johnny Cash. <laughs> Ooh, goth country version of Jolene when? Jolene. Jolene! <laughs> or, you know, we go down 15 octaves. Jolene. <laughs> Church choir in the background. It's 30 minutes long. Dolly Parton would be so grateful. She would love it. Oh, she absolutely would. She'd be first row clapping. Yeah. She has like a little camcorder. She's like, yeah, that's my son. (laughs) Oh, it's her son singing now? Apparently. Did you see her? um, I saw something on the internet where she like, Said a super shady comment to RuPaul. Really? Yeah. 
<laughs> What'd she say? They were talking about, like, heels and makeup, and he was, like, asking her, like, do you wear your heels all the time? And she was like, yes, of course. And RuPaul's like, oh, I could never, like, wear, you know, my heels and makeup and everything all the time. And she's like, well, you see, what if there was, like, an earthquake? You know, I don't want to be running out here looking like you. Oh. <laughs> she's, uh... She's Andrew Levels of Petty. We love her. Love it. Oh, oh, you're awake now? Hello. Come here. Come here. Everyone loves a petty celebrity. Come here. Come here. Oh, baby. We're almost done recording, so that's why you could come here. You're not even going to face me, though? What do you have to say about the album? <laughs> Thank you, Cosmo. Very cool. Any final thoughts? Um, I liked it. I also liked it. I, um, I do love 80s music, so there's no way I couldn't like this album. True. Here's a question. Do you already, have you already listened to, like, other Sisters of Mercy songs? Yes, I've listened to most of the first album that they did. Okay, so this question's not relevant. The question is more towards me. Uh -huh. Will I now dive into other works from them? Mm-hmm. So, they have staggering three studio albums. So I might just give it a shot. I don't think there's any excuse now. Yeah. I think I'll listen. So, I've listened to most of their first album, First and Last and Always, which was completely different structure. That was, you know, the pre-pettiness. Pre-petty? Basically, yeah. yeah. All right, no more licking. It's And it's, it's very... It's good. I like it a lot, actually. I feel like I need to be in a more specific mood to listen to this album. Um, but I find First and Last and Always just a little bit more accessible. Where it's like, this album, it's like, okay, Dominion, Lucretia, and this Corrosion, I would listen to, like, any time. Yeah. Any situation. Where, and, you know, there's more songs like that on that album. And their follow-up Vision thing... Um, I haven't listened to it yet, so I can't really say anything about it. Is that the one that has the full Netherland on it? Mm, I don't think so. It's still 12 minutes long. I don't think I'll be able to give it my full <laughs> attention span. <laughs> I don't know. Listen to it while you're at work or something. Maybe. I like listening to, like, m just, like, random playlists thrown together. Uh-huh. It's very rare. Well, it's kind of rare if I dive out of it to listen to a specific band. Like, you gotta really impress me if I do that. Yeah. Honestly, I work the opposite way. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just pick a bunch of albums to listen to in a day and I'll listen to them and be like, oh, you know, let's get this album from, I don't know, 1981 and this one from 2005 and stuff like that. I love hearing new music. So, you guys, if you have any recommendations and stuff you want to hear us review or talk about, let us know. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to see it. Alright, this is a short episode. Do we have anything else we want to blab about? Uh, no. Alrighty! <clears throat> no, not you. <laughs> That's it for today, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll put out new episodes every week. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at GothTopicPod, where you'll find updates, our own musings, as well as sharing our favorite memes and videos. All of the links mentioned today are in the description box down below. Give us a rating on iTunes and we'll shout you out in a future episode. 
shoot us a DM, tell us what you think, add us, or email us at gothtopicpod at gmail.com. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone. Let us know, do you like these music reviews? Yeah, I was thinking we could do at least, like, one a month. Yeah, honestly, they're so fun. (laughs) I feel like doing too many would be, well, too many. (laughs) Very well said. Thank you. All right. Happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays. Stay safe out there. So there's some people being stupid. Absolutely stupid. If I find out that you're holiday shopping on the outside, I'm going to slap you with love and affection. Bye, guys. Bye. The and I'm Patty. You stole my cookie.